eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. It's like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and yes, I am back on Longhorn Blitz. I had to take a couple of shows off, which I'll get to here in just a second, but let's not waste any time. We've got a busy show today as the Longhorns are barreling down on the season opener. Finally, at last, we're almost here. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst here on Longhorn Blitz. And a daily fantasy sports guru. He is Matt Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? Pretty well, man. How about yourself? Uh, Luca making you some money these days? Oh, uh, Luca's going nuts. Yeah. Thing <laughs> is, everybody's been on Luca, but you got to go. You can't stop Luca. Yeah. Last night, uh, there's been better Mavericks playoff games to watch than what happened last Very night. Very true. Last night was one. Sort of the wave caught up to him. I mean, whenever you're <laughs> – somehow it seemed like every game when he gets hurt and Porzingis isn't there, he goes crazy. Yep. But, uh, you know, hey, Sunday will always be there in Mavs lore. Uh, a man who, look, he can talk NBA playoffs. I don't know if he can talk NHL playoffs, but uh, he's a renaissance man. Not. He's a renaissance man, and he's our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And Thanks for the intro, brother. Rod B., it feels good to say the intro once again. So Glad you're back, man. So, quick programming note on why I was out. My wife tested positive for COVID-19. Which, because we live in the same house, sleep in the same bed, etc., uh, I had to be out of the building for two weeks. Yesterday was the two-week mark. My wife has already returned to work. I took another COVID test. I was negative. So, boom, I'm back. Boom. COVID, boom. COVID scare is mm. over. So, everybody's doing well. Everybody's good. good. Everybody's good. Baby girl's good. 
Other than the fact that based on notes we're getting from the daycare teacher, apparently I'm raising the next Ronda Rousey in my house. Oh, she's doing re- very well then. Uh, she's <laughs> holding she's, holding her own. Yeah, she, right? she's kicking butt and taking names. Apparently. Yeah. Well, so, well, <laughs> Just ho- stand up for yourself. The next Holly Holm sleeps uh, a few a few rooms down. You never know, man. Master bedroom. You never so. know. Yeah, but at any rate, we're not talking about MMA or NBA playoffs. <laughs> we're talking Longhorn football. And gentlemen, this has been. Since I've been on the beat, easily the strangest camp to cover because we've had zero access to practice, uh, you know, limited viewing windows or otherwise. Uh, The information's been flowing, but the sources don't have a ton to say because Rod, for instance, Saturday scrimmage, Mm. last time you heard of a camp scrimmage lasting about 30 to 35 plays. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that that, uh, Tom Herman and his staff are, you know, just trying to accommodate in as many ways as they can to everything going on. I don't know about you know limitations with practice time and you know NCAA rules. Like I don't know how that works during this time. So I'm sure that's not, a big class play. hasn't started yet, so to, you're not bound to the the 20 hour week yet. Oh, you're not. Right. So there you go. But Tom Herman has always been one of those guys. Remember, we heard about the bowl practices at you know the Alamo Bowl and how they didn't have that many practice. They didn't even mm-hmm. use all of their allotted practices. And, you know, so I think he's always been one of those kind of outside-the-box guys when it comes to, to practice and which and what ways you can get in those reps, whether they're mental reps or whatever. Yeah. Had a lot of injuries too, though. Well, and I think and that's, that's the, happening everywhere. That's the bigger part of it. And, yeah, like you said, Rob, this is going to be – we're seeing it in the NFL too. Like we're hearing yeah. more reports from everywhere. NFL camps. And it's it's like – it's the big stuff. It's not like, oh, I got an ankle. No, you're having like – Quad tears, ACLs. Achilles injuries, yep. like the whole, and that's just part of when you. And Rod, you can speak to this though mm-hmm. as an athlete. When you athletes to play at a high level, like you did, your creatures a habit. Like you know what your workout schedule is going to be like throughout the year, what your off season program looks like, and once that that ecosystem of training gets disrupted, all hell has mm. the potential to break loose. Yeah. No, it's happening in baseball, too. You're seeing it. It's uh, happening in baseball, specifically with the pitchers. Uh, the injuries are up. Uh, the NFL, the injuries are up already, but nobody's really tracked it. But I guarantee you when they start tracking, they'll probably be up 15 20%. That's the, that was the case in 2011 after they negotiated a new CBA. Remember that year they had no uh, mini camps and they didn't have an off-season workouts. Mm-hmm. All they did was start training camps like right before the preseason. They did have a preseason this year, not even a preseason. I think you'll see those injuries go up. The NFL just started wearing pads and started hitting. Uh, I believe the college football was hitting before the NFL was. So the NFL will probably have more of those injuries once guys start putting on a pass and they get real physical. But if you're Tom Herman, I can see him just airing on the side of caution and deciding, you know what, I'd just rather my guys at least be fresh, um, you know, rather than – See, try to get a, a thorough evaluation by revving up the practices. I'm just going to dial everything back because everything has been so unorthodox right. this offseason. Right. Yeah, and when you look at just the way it plays out, and it's when you brought this up, Jeff, it's exactly the notes that I had wrote down, and it's sort of a theory that's been going around the NBA bubble, and it's going to be the same for all other sports, but these different teams and the ones that are COVID-impacted and, not, and more, say, non-impacted or veteran-led like sort of teams like say OKC, like Utah, like Boston, even one with like Miami Heat with the Heat culture, they had a guy like Nunn out. But all these teams that have their core,
Corps, which reminded me of Texas, where it's a veteran-led Corps, like a guy like a Ellinger, or like how you talked about in San Antonio area was a Stearns-type guy. And you mm-hmm. have these guys that are sort of leaders of the defense, and they talked about these other NBA teams that were spread around. And the reason why, like, say, the Denver Nuggets were struggling so much, they had only seven guys. They had no time to be together the first few weeks in the bubble. But also, they talked more so – the veteran component of players that if you have the facilities, if you are a guy like LeBron or you're a top-level star or you're a veteran-led team where you have, say, three or four guys communicating with all their teammates, it's one that can form that environment. But when a team like Denver, say they, I mean, Michael Malone had COVID. He talked about how the, a lot of the players were separated, some in other countries. It was very different situation. And a team, if you go down the list from Brooklyn to even Houston, Houston came straggling into the bubble haven't looked exactly the same a team like Sacramento had four players with it Milwaukee even same thing lost their first game of the playoffs after their situation and even the Lakers it was a little bit different of a reason why their players weren't there but when you don't have a core of players that are around each other in this situation it's really where some teams can fall so far behind and then the ones that are like Toronto who couldn't even go back to their home state they've been down in Miami together as players they couldn't have teams sanctioned events but they've been in Miami since July 6th together as players because Mark Gasol and Kyle Lowry and those guys that's just what they wanted to do while they had their time they went and focused on basketball so you could really see how this could also affect in the college level and other sports in the NBA it's interesting though Rod unlike other camps and not that you wouldn't be cautious with guys but it seems like Tom Herman as you said trying to keep guys fresh just make sure the, the focus right now for everybody, just get to the opener. Like, get this thing started, yep. get to get to that first game, and then kind of reassess. Like, it seemed like you know, throughout the Charlie Strong era, like one of my favorite phrases was you'd get to a point in the season and we all can pinpoint those segments in each of those three years where I'm like, okay, this thing just became a week-to-week proposition. Yeah. This yeah. is a day-to-day proposition. I agree with that. At this point. No question. And to your point, Rod, what you said yeah. about guys being out, you look at running back, you know, Keontae Ingram's had – uh, some issues. They're Soft being extra, injuries. A, extra cautious with him. I think Bijan Robinson had. It, it sounds like it wasn't even like a groin injury. Just maybe like yeah, a little tight. Like, like no, like you're you're tweak. not. Like, he probably could have. If it was a game, he probably would have been able to play. But it's like nope, you're scrimmage. You're you're on the shelf. Linebacker. Tom Herman's talked about between, and they're being extra cautious with with COVID. It's like look, if a guy's got an upset stomach or wakes up and he thinks he's got a sore throat, he's calling the trainer. It's like, nope, you're staying away until we figure out what that is. That's a great yeah. point, too. And you brought up the you know, the tweak or the going. It's what happened whenever Russell Westbrook had a tweak and then came back to play that game against the Spurs, the sixth game of the bubble, retweaked his tweak and hasn't yeah. played for five games since then. But, yeah. Rod, when you look at the landscape of the Big 12, I just want to go down this road for a second. <laughs> Texas it hasn't been an easy camp because you've had some guys out, so it's hard, especially for – that's the hard part, I think, for Texas is when you've got so many new coaches. And, and Andre Coleman's got a better feel for, for what he's got at his position because he was an analyst last year, so at least he was around the team. That's true. But if you're a Mark Hagan, uh, Jay Bulware, Chris Ash, Jay Valai, you need your guy, Coleman Hudson, Coleman Hudson. Line, linebackers. You need your guys there because you haven't had a chance to evaluate these guys. So yep. if you've got two practices where you've got – you know, there's six linebackers you're looking at, and four of them missed, miss a couple practices. Well, what do you – you don't really know what you're looking at yet. And you throw the Troy O'Meary ACL injury on top of that. It hadn't been an easy camp. But, Rod, you start looking around the Big 12. Like Oklahoma's dealing with their COVID issues right now. Yep. I know Texas Tech is dealing with theirs. 
TCU at this point, because of the Max Duggan thing, even if you thought they were a dark horse for the conference championship race, we've pretty much eliminated TCU from Big 12 title contention this year, right? With no Max Duggan, it's going to be tough. I don't even know what's behind Max Duggan, do we know? You were down to, like, basically walk-ons and transfers. and Yeah, it's it's not pretty. Yeah, I agree. We knew it was going to be an uphill climb for them. We were assuming, if you were believing in TCU in 2020, you were assuming a lot about Max Duggan and him taking several steps forward. Yeah, you were assuming that Max Duggan was going to do what Trevon Boykin did. Which, by the way, Trevon Boykin, I remember when people thought he was, oh, he's trash. That guy's just moved to wide receiver. And they came in, built the offense around it, made it compatible to his skill set, yeah. and then boom, he takes it to the next level. Max Duggan and Trevon Boykin, very similar in their early, you know, early development. Sam Ellinger, same way. Like Sam, Sam Ellinger a, Sam had his a, struggles. Sam was a turnover machine yep. and – you know, Bad the, decisions think about the, the interception at the end of the Oklahoma State game. Where it's like, no, just yeah. save the possession, kick the field goal, go to the next overtime. Spencer and, Sanders yeah. early on. People have been saying the same thing about I mean, him. And that's just freshman quarterbacks. Just, yeah. and back in the day, they didn't even allow him to play. Nowadays, they understand it's worth getting him out there. It's valuable learning. And you can actually be very successful in the elite ones. You can do something with them. Like yeah. I think at this point, Rod, 20, TCU in 2020 is going to be a lot like TCU was in 2013, the year before. Gary Patterson went all in on the air raid with Doug Meacham and Sonny Cumbie where uh, yeah, that weird like Casey Paul Hall was coming off the stint where I think he went to mm-hmm. I think he went to rehab yeah. and then That's dealt good. with an injury and then you had a young you had young Trayvon Boykin in there and yeah. I think and they went like four and eight. Sometimes. They went four and eight because they couldn't score points. Like yeah, their right. defense allowed them to hang out hang around in games where they couldn't score any points. Which will happen this year. That Our exactly. defense is gonna be good. <laughs> it's gonna be good. It always like, is. Like I'll take Texas to, to win that game in Austin. I don't know. That's going to be like a like a twenty three to three kind of game. Is that game for TCU or Texas? Is late or early? It's early now. It's mm-hmm. early now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what they got at quarterback. I don't know. They pull something out of their arse. Who knows? They might. They, they might. might. Maybe. But right now, I agree with you. It, it, it ain't, ain't looking good. <laughs> no. It ain't looking good. It ain't looking good. We know Oklahoma's got their issues. So, I'd like to say this. Oklahoma and, and, State's got some issues, man. Yeah, theirs are more transferring, so. transferring. Offensive their, linemen their leaving. offensive line's been yeah. pretty much devastated. Yeah. So, you take all that into consideration, Ron. Tom Herman's, compared to what some of the other coaches around the Big 12 are thinking right now, Tom yeah. Herman's got to be feeling okay about the state of affairs. Got some first world problems. He's got a new staff, but he's dealing with the same issues everybody else is dealing with it because of COVID. But I agree. Mm. There's any year where Oklahoma looks vulnerable, this is the year. Oklahoma State, I know they got the best trio maybe on offense in the country, but <laughs> that offensive line only, only returns one starter. It, it, they have they've had over a dozen players transfer for whatever for different reasons, but we know that Mike Gundy and his locker room have had their issues. Hell, Gary Patterson and TCU's locker room have yes. had their issues. Hell, West Virginia's had their own issues. I mean, they got a brand new DC they brought in. Situation. (laughs) Just look at COVID impacted. Yeah. the Gundy stuff, I don't – I mean, mm. just listen to what the players were saying. That was a big deal and still is one because yeah. if you possibly insert any relationship, any human knows, like if you have one and then there's a rift, the time thereafter is unknown. You don't know how it's – it could impact nothing, but it could also be a really huge deal. Mm-hmm. And it's the same situation when you're bringing up other schools like, say, West Virginia and Oklahoma having to deal with it. I want to give you boys the floor real quick mm-hmm. because I want to kind of run down some things in the show today. Anything on your mind as far as anything you've read, heard, observed, et cetera, from camp that you want to get out there and put up for discussion right now before we start kind of running down position by position and where things are at right now? 
I want to get to your position by position. Yeah. You just want to go position by going position. It. You got well, the info. Let's start with the easy one, quarterback. We don't really have any concerns about quarterback, starters, backups, or otherwise right now, do we? No. No. I agree with that. I'm good with that. Yeah. For the first time in a long time. Which yeah. is damn good. And, yeah. Rod, I'll, I'll, I'll credit your co-host on the triple option, the BK part of the triple option, Brad Kellner. Uh, I heard you guys when you were talking about Barton Simmons wrote the piece of 24-7 sports ranking the best quarterback rooms in the country. You know, Texas at four. I think Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, State were the only programs mm-hmm. he had better as better quarterback rooms for the season than Texas. Mm-hmm. If you're Tom Herman in the day and age of transfer, high transfer rate for quarterbacks and that room turning over all the time and you know you have to continue to acquire, acquire talent at that position – Having Casey Thompson as your backup quarterback, you're in a lot better spot than a lot of programs in the country, a lot of Power 5 programs in the country. This is to true. To have a guy that's year three in the offense, hadn't played a ton, but there's I don't think there's any doubt. I think even if you ask Mike Yersley to this point, look, if, I don't know, Sam Ellinger tripped on a water bottle and had to miss the second half of the game, you'd feel like Casey Thompson could at least get you through that game. Like, you feel comfortable with that. That's and It's rare these days. I mean, he went to the transfer portal, one of those guys that went in, came back out, um, you know, I bet Casey Thompson, just my opinion, probably is regretting that decision. I bet he wishes he stayed in that transfer portal and went somewhere else to play, had a better shot, because I think most people believe that he that, that he's not the future of Texas football, that he's a bridge. Yeah. That he's the, you know what I mean? And, and we talked about last week. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And I, I'm, not saying, those guys are, I'm not saying those guys are bad. I'm not saying that you, right. you need those guys in mm-hmm. your system because every that guy can't be the future. Otherwise, you know what I mean, that quarterback room will implode at one point. Um, but I, I think that Hudson Card is considered the future, or Jaquindon Jackson considered the future. And then after that, there will be other guys that come into the fold, and Casey Thompson is going to be a bridge. Now, if those guys aren't ready, then thank God Casey Thompson is there. That's why it's great to have that bridge, and you'd like that. And like you brought up Chance Mock. He was a, a great bridge for, mm-hmm. for Texas. And they when they lost that bridge, Shane Bouchelle became one of those bridges. When you lost that bridge, the whole damn thing collapses, yep. right? Yeah. And you lose your pathway. So, hell, I mean, some people are saying that Texas could end up there with you know, the Quinn Ewers and the uh, the Chance, was it right? Charles Wright. Charles Wright. Chance Wright. Yeah. Chance. <laughs> well, I mean. No, 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 I not mean to connect those two. But uh, he could end up being that guy. Who knows? Because I think Texas with the quarterback room, too. You notice all these quarterbacks now wanted to be Texas quarterbacks when they were little kids, when they were babies. You see these pictures of them with little baby jer- jer- Texas jerseys on. I think Tom Herman, who has done a marvelous job of restocking the quarterback room, has figured out, okay, the quarterbacks are going to want to transfer. I'm bring, bringing in blue chip quarterbacks. That's just something you got to deal with. It's a 50% transfer rate for them. That's just the minimum. Bring, bring in a four or five star guy, and that's what we're going to do. But maybe I'll give myself a better chance. These guys sticking it out. If I get quarterbacks here in the state of Texas, quarterback Mecca, by the way, nobody produces quarterbacks better than this state, who wanted to be at Texas ever since they were infants. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sam Elliger, Quinn Ewers. Uh, Charles, Charles, Charles Wright, Wright you know what I mean? Those are the guys are like, you know what, yeah, because they're not looking at just about playing time. They're like, no, no, this is actually something I dreamed of. I wanted to be here. I'm going to stick it out because, I, you know, Texas is in my DNA. And maybe those guys will give you a better success rate at keeping those four- and five-star quarterbacks. And when you talk about, you know, being that bridge guy that Casey Thompson could be or that Chance Mock sort of was between the Sims and the Vince Young, I mean, at the time, Colt McCoy was the bridge guy. We didn't think Colt McCoy would become another guy. It was a guy that, but he was one of these overachieving youngsters that wanted to be 
a Texas quarterback. And yeah. it's sort of it, when you're talking about that right there, it sort of popped in my head and was like, ah, sometimes that bridge guy that has the heart and it all fits right. in the right scheme, he can become the guy or be that for Could just be. a year. So it's just a good little fit to look at the way that the careers can play out. I think when we look back at Sam Ellinger, Rod, I think, you know, we'll, and we'll see what this year holds for him, whether he can kind of put himself in the group of all-time great Texas quarterbacks. Statistically, he's already there. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. nobody can dispute that. But you want to have your name mentioned with the James Streets and the Colt McCoys and the Vince Youngs, even guys like Peter Gardere and James Brown. you got to go win you a championship. Yeah, you do. you got to go put a number on the wall. Mm-hmm. And if he does that, then his legacy is cemented. But I think now if you say, okay, the book is done on Sam Ellinger, if you could write it, what would it be? I think it's – Go back to that 2017 recruiting class. You couldn't have had a better guy, number one, with his talent level, number two, with his love for the school, to be a guy in a transition class. Because I remember when the coaching transition happened, when it was looking like Charlie was going to be gone, I was like, well, what about Sam? Is he going to stick it out? And I think my comment at the time was something to the effect of, you know, Moncrief could be burning down and Sam would be one of the first guys there with a shovel ready to scoop up the ashes and rebuild. Like, he's he's coming to Texas. Like, <laughs> there's no Texas. there's no question about It didn't about matter. That. Yeah. yeah. It didn't matter who was the AD or who was the head coach. Charlie Strong, didn't Tom matter. Herman of the Easter Bunnies, the head coach. Like, Sam Ellinger's coming, coming to, to Texas. Texas. Agreed. I think, I think a couple of these guys are like that. I think they just wanted to be at Texas. They always right. wanted to that's be That's just where some people are born into just yeah. Texas families, and that's literally just part of your day-to-day social recreational exactly. life. At, so right. then at that point, it's also how fans become wait Charles how, Wright's how a legacy he, right didn't his mm. was his dad or grandfather 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 see? there you go there you go it, so yeah it's yeah. so I don't think we have any questions about quarterback Rod I don't really have any questions about running back right now either I mean Keonta Ingram's health yeah, pieces fit mm-hmm. Keonta Ingram's health to me is a little bit of a concern just because it seems like there's kind of always something there and look that might sound like I'm knocking him fair or not but it does seem like there's always just kind of something either nagging or, or what have you but what, what's up, Matt? Uh, I was going to say, if you listened last week, we talked a little bit about that, and it reminds exactly of the comparison we had. And it's also, it's sort of he's the Selvin Young of this group. You have a young freshman that came in the way Jamal Charles came in in 05, like Bijan's coming in. You had a guy that's been around that's uh, heralded in what very good and quality running back, but also has had some injury issues early on, but showed bursts and you think could get something out of him, but isn't necessarily going to be there and Roshan's sort of like that old head core guy that's just be able to fit perfectly so it's just when you have a four-headed pronged running back situation you can sort of see the way that you can have each piece maybe have a deficiency or an injury but still have a room that can be as productive we've seen we've seen running back trios in this program in the last decade we've seen the potential for there to be good ones whether it was Fozzie Whitaker and Malcolm Brown and Joe Bergeron mm-hmm. or Malcolm Brown, Joe Bergeron, and Jonathan Gray. Good uh, mm-hmm. You know, there was a time like that 11 season where all three of them ended up getting hurt and we saw the offense slow down to a crawl. Yep. But you go to, like, say, 2012, Malcolm Brown gets hurt, and then, boom, here comes Jonathan Gray as a true freshman ready to roll. The following year, it's Jonathan Gray, pops his Achilles, Malcolm Brown goes for almost 1,000 yards. So I think as long ride as two of those guys are healthy enough, to, to roll mm-hmm. through it, then I think they'll manage. Yeah. I mean, you have – you got three starting caliber running backs. I heard Ricky Williams on B&E, and he said all three of those guys, he believes, have a Sunday skill set. They'll play in the NFL. He didn't say Sunday skill set. That's my thing. But he said they'll play in the NFL, and I believe that too. I think yeah. they're all NFL caliber running backs. Yeah. They'll, and Tom Herman's mentioned it. You'd like to have a fourth, and Danny Young opting out would have given you that veteran presence. But I think this, too, real, go back to Casey Thompson real quick. I think guys like Casey Thompson, Danny Young, even though he's got a redshirt year, 
Casey Thompson's the kind of guy that's going to benefit from this extra year of eligibility. Whatever that means oh, for him. It's a, is it an extra year at Texas where if he wins the job, then, hey, you've got another year to invest in this guy? Or if he doesn't win the job, hey, he's got an extra year where he can go grad transfer and get himself a couple more years. Mm-hmm. Is that true? I, I didn't think about that. Good yeah. point. So I, I think maybe, shoot, Rod, probably maybe anybody in the program, Casey Thompson might benefit more from that extra year than anybody. No, that's a good point. And I, good programs can benefit at all positions unless, with that. Uh, unless the 2022 quarterback class is weak and Sam Ellinger could be a higher pick in that class and decides he can make more money by staying and going to another class. Are we in agreement that's really – or if, if Texas were – Then he could benefit. Or maybe. if something just went off the rails this year. Like those are the only two scenarios where Sam comes back, right? No, you don't want Sam coming back, but if you're saying it could happen. We don't want him to come back. We'd yeah. rather him leave. That means he had a great year. In right, Texas, exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. we'd rather him leave. But I'm just saying if everything didn't go and then it's another year, could lift his draft stock. And for a quarterback, you know, one round higher is huge. I mean, that's, that's, a, big, that's a big thing. For, for a Rod B, it's not that big a deal. But for Sam Ellinger, it could mean being with the, the perfect team and being with a, a terrible team and being out of the league. Or getting a shot. Yeah, no. quarterback's a huge difference. Yeah, it's a big difference. So mm-hmm. we mentioned quarterback, we mentioned running back, and it sounds like Roshan Johnson has had a really good camp because he's been healthy throughout mm-hmm. it. And, Rob, we talked about this last year, man. When, when we saw him, I think the LSU game was the game where we are kind of like, are we sure he's not the best running back in the program right now? I know, I, I know the conversation kind of started right there, and then by the time you got to – West Virginia and Oklahoma, it's like, well, I don't, I don't know if it's really that much of a debate right now. And we know Keontae Ingram had some really good games he did. down the stretch, but <laughs> something you bring up, Rod, and you mentioned a lot, that rate of development. Mm-hmm. You had a guy that at this time last year was just transitioning to that position. Fast, forward, fast, forward, yeah. fast forward a year later, and he might be your best option for your season opener when you've got a guy that – Average almost six yards of carry last year, and he's in the same room with the, the guy who was the number one ranked running back prospect in the country in a most recent recruiting cycle. That And votes that, to the leadership council. That's a hellacious <laughs> rate of development, man, yeah. at yeah. that position. And he's a natural leader. Team team recognizes his leadership skills, too. Yeah. It's, it's a great. good fit. And then also this sort of just makes me think about the idea. In baseball, you hear the term women's above replacement. But at the running back position, how much difference is there? And I think across the mm. football field, if you look at it like quarterback, there's going to be a huge difference yeah. between a top-level player, a star-level player, an average player, and then a replacement player. I think we're learning over time that the level between a top-level running back and what your overall offensive impact is may be minimal compared to just your replacement or serviceable or your Trey Watson. No doubt. Your player that goes like that, that can be – and it's sort of the frustrating thing probably Mm -hmm. why whenever all these fans are like, man, I want to see more of that back, and coach won't let him out there because he won't do one thing or another thing. Well, Roshan Johnson seems like the guy that does all those things, and it sort of is that replacement player in baseball – that average guy or your three and D guy. It's like why with uh, the Rockets, when you have a cup full of usage and you add mellow, it's just overflowing usage. But when it's a PJ Tucker, a house and guys that do the other things and fill out the entire team. So then the entire hole can be whole. Those running backs may be that position more so on the offense than we've ever thought about before. Good point. So the one position on offense, Rod, that's really got me concerned. It's not the offensive line. It's not even tied in. It's wide receiver, mainly outside receiver. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. I've been selling that for a while too. 
Every all indications are selling that stock. All indications are that Tariq Black has had a good camp. That Brennan Eagles had a good camp. Outside of that, I haven't heard hardly anything about Marcus Washington. Nothing about Josh Moore. It's a little bit about Kelvante Dixon, but I don't think we were counting on those freshmen to necessarily give you quality reps this year. You're hearing about O'Meary, but that Troy O'Meary is the guy you were hearing about, but oh, he's man. he's done for he's the year. He's done for the year. Yeah, that actually hurts you now, and. You know, you feel like at the H position you're going to be fine with Jake Smith and, and Jordan Whittington. Oh, yeah. Regardless of how those touches are split up. Like, I think right at this point you're you're facing the reality, look, this offense is still going to have to be pretty H-reliant because of just the lack of depth you have on the outside. And is it – so here's the question I have with outside receiver. Is it as simple as you need Sam Ellinger to elevate the guys other than Tariq Black and Brennan Eagles? Or are you just that good at H and running back that, you know what, maybe there's just not a lot of opportunities. Maybe that group just won't be as deep as you thought it was. I think it's going to be both. I've been saying the off, the entire offseason, if you build that passing game around the wide receivers, then you will fail miserably. There's no question in my mind. You just don't have enough talent and proven commodities there. Some of the guys you have there, guys have been hurt, some guys – commitment has been questioned there. You just got too much uncertainty there to build your offense around the wide receiving core like you did in the two prior years when you mm-hmm. had Colin Johnson, DuVernay, Lou Jordan Humphrey, right? Exactly. It was one of the strengths of your team. Now the strength of your team is in the backfield. That includes Sam Ellinger, by the way. So you need to try to incorporate more two-back sets, 20 personnel, 21 personnel, which he did a ton of, by the way. I'm talking about with two tailbacks either. and you could, Two tailbacks, and you can also turn one of those guys into – you know, a fullback, whatever you want to do. It depends on how you want to teach mm-hmm. the technique. But you need to incorporate that because that is the strength of the team. And those guys, all three of them, Bijan, Keontae Ingram, and um, Rojo, can all uh, be pass receivers out of the backfield and really, really good pass receivers out of the backfield. And you'll incorporate them into the H, too. Honestly, you tr- you should be using Bijan probably in the H role as well. You should have end up having three H guys, depending on how you want to – uh, you know, be multiple on the offense and give those multiple looks. So I think that's part of it. And I'm with you, the H position. I mean, it's it's going to get a lot. I think it'll get more. You'll get more targets and usage out of the H this year than you got. I know it sounds crazy than the Devin Duvernay and Lou Jordan uh, time because now you're going to split it up. Back then it was just Lou Jordan Humphrey yeah. played the H and that was it. And then before that, I mean, after that it was just Duvernay played the H and that was it. Now you got two guys that. that can play the H. So I think you actually, I think it sounds crazy, you may get even more usage out of the H because it'll be a fresher position from down to down. Yeah. And I think after you do that, that's how you start building the passing game. Through the H, through the, the, the backfield, and then you incorporate the wide receivers and maybe some of the tight ends if you can do that. So are we saying your outside receivers basically are complementary pieces at this yeah, point? Yeah, no question about it. Yeah, I, I, I would. That's how I would build the passing game. The, the H obviously is your start, but at, mm-hmm. after that, I would think the backfield should be the secondary element of the passing game, and then the wide receivers. And then if wide receivers start making big plays, then hey, you know what? Let's let's incorporate it more. But starting then, starting with the wide receivers to build the passing game. Is ill-advised. There's, there's no way you can do that based on what you've seen. You'll be doing it based on faith alone. Let me ask you guys this. Would you consider Jake Smith more of a proven commodity than Brendan Eagles? 
Well, sort of in mm-hmm. the H. Well, I mean, they're both in their two positions, but the same way that last year you look at Duvernay and the way that the usage was funneled through that position, whenever Duvernay was off the field, it still seemed as if it was funneled through the H. When Jake, Jake Smith, Smith was, he was, point, he was, got a lot of usage. Yeah. It, it was a lot high usage on a per snap basis, yeah. and the amount of targets he got to snap was very comparable to Duvernay because That's it was every point. third series he was in there. It's just he ended every game with four receptions for 30 eight yards or something or two receptions for 30 yards and it was because he was playing on a ratio of about eight to set eight to three series overall throughout games basically yeah that's a good point that's rod you know, why, you know why i asked tom herman and and the reason why i said that is because we, we like you just laid out matt that h is going to get a lot of work and rod to your point i mean brennan eagles we weren't sure really until we started hearing reports middle of the summer that, that he was going to be good to go. So maybe Jake Smith might be the more reliable commodity, I think, maybe for Andre Coleman at that's this point. point, a guy yeah. that's proven something in games. Uh, but the reason why I say that is, and I asked Tom Herman after, I think it was after a scrimmage or might have been a midweek availability. I don't remember when, but I asked him, you know, the roles at X and Z, are, are they going to be different? Are they going to be similar? Like, what, how is it going to look with question. this offense? And he said, for the most part, They'll be the same," he said. "There will be times where you'll see the X lined up to the field, you know, based on a matchup of you know formation variation, what have you." He said, "For the most part, they'll be the same." Well, I well, hope not. well, if that's the case, <laughs> if that's the case, and let's assume Brennan Eagles and Tariq Black are your top two guys on the outside. Well, you're going to put Tariq Black at X because with the foot injury, Black's vertical speed is. I wouldn't imagine it's elite, especially compared to Brennan Eagles. So if you if you're still leaving Brennan Eagles on the field side more often than not. And those roles, Rod, aren't changing all that much. We know the field side receiver in this offense doesn't get a lot of targets anyway. Man, I was hoping that your switch would change some of this. I was hoping you'd get more variation with the wide receivers. They'd be more interchangeable, positionless football. Or that's something Joe Brady believes in. Yeah, and less predictable. What this guy always lines Funneled up here to the field. All through it, it's and pretty hard. Yeah, like the truth is Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith should be on the field together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what the hell? Need dual H's. Dual H's, and then you can motion one of those guys to the backfield, turn in 20 personnel, split back shotgun, and still have three wide receivers on the field. I mean, what the yep. hell are we doing? If you're going to bring your in here, and you're still going to have, well, this guy, the Z, lines up here every time, and the X don't line up here. That means you're not doing any bunch formations. Right? So we're not getting any bunch. Helping the so defense. I'm not, right? So I'm not getting a lot of motions and shifts. So, okay, then what your is bringing to the table. So I hope, I hope he's just BSing you. I hope that's a bunch of BS because if it ain't and we're still getting this very rid- this rigidity in the offense where it's got to be like this. All t- I got to have a tight end on the field. Got to mean tight end. Got to be on the field at least. What do you mean? You get the best 11 on the field. Does that always include a tight end? No, it may not. Right. Maybe it'll include two tight ends for that matchup. I don't know. But I thought the uh, I thought your philosophy was going to be best 11 guys on the field. All right, and, and, and that may be 11 personnel, maybe 21. It may be 20. Doesn't matter. Whatever it takes to win. So. I don't know. Maybe the influence we'll of Tom Herman will be different, but that means the way you describe it, I'm not getting my bunch formations. I'm not getting my minus splits. I'm not getting my flex splits. I, I want more variation. Well, he's in my giving the puzzle pieces. If that is, if there isn't much change there, it's just giving puzzle pieces to the defense to simplify. And when you have pre-snap and then snapping in the chaos, you have to make maybe three or four decisions. The variation and amount of mistakes that can come in is very quick and it can really grow exponentially if you do a lot of stuff. If you're simplifying that for them, it really can dumb down your offense so much that it can be hard. You have to be elite. And if you go exactly. out 
there and, and your you, wide receivers ain't exactly alone. And it's Man, like if you know the James, James Harden ISO is coming, but you Thank can't you. stop it, you do it. And you can do those things if you're at the top. But if you don't self-scout and aren't self-aware of what you do, and then you try to go do that, it's what became Texas in short yardage situations last year. And now you can't do what you think you're good at. Now, we'll see. I mean, he he did say the X will line up to the field, so maybe that's talking about what you're talking about formation variations. I do know they've experimented with ten personnel in camp, which we didn't see a ton last that's year. What, it is good. What, what, do, what do those pieces look like? Is it Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington? Is it putting Josh Moore on the field? I, I don't know personnel wise what that's going to look like, but I, I I'm with you, Rod. I'm I'm kind of I don't want to say I'm reserving. I'm, I'm withholding judgment or. You know anything like that, but I kind of want to. I want to see what it looks like before I get my hopes up or start assuming that this thing is going to be. Yeah. Not. I don't, I don't even want to say drastically different, but the kind of differences and the kind of changes we talked about all off season that need to happen with this offense. Yeah. Like you said, we need we need bunch formations. We need more diverse personnel groupings. We need to see. You know, maybe the tight end on the field less get take advantage of your best playmakers, your most reliable playmakers, mm-hmm. and not be so rigid. So that way, this offense can take the strides that we think it can make. Scheme guys open. You know, mm-hmm. can't just yeah. throw them out there and just you know assume that your wide receiver is going to always beat that guy because we Texas. Like yeah. no, I need you. <laughs> That's how we end up losing. <laughs> give him give, give him a bunch formation so he can have an easier free release. Uh, give some pre-snap motion so you can move that safety over and clear out that void. All oh, those little cheat codes that are being used all across football today. Right. I want to see more of those. That's and, and when I say we, I don't mean like, oh, I'm, I'm going fanboy here. I mean we, us, us three. That's what we need to see so that way we don't come in here to do a podcast after a game and say, well, they had offense at 86 snaps and they were in 11 personnel with the X of the boundary for, you know, 78 of them. That's very predictable. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, that's exactly what happened that's, in McVay's yeah. offense last year. Yeah, and it just gets too predictable. You can't have it that. So I, I hope they're going toward more positionless football because I think that's the future of football, honestly. One thing I wanted to get to real quick, when you look at this last scrimmage, the <laughs> thing that stood out, excuse me, Tom, Tom Herman mentioned this, and, and we'd heard about it at Horns 24-7 as well. You're down some wide receivers, so basically they ran, they ran pretty much 12 personnel. I like it. The entire – it's kind of like yeah. It's kind of like that scene in Tin Cup where Kevin <laughs> Costner breaks all his clubs except the one, and <laughs> was it a seven iron was all he had left? Yours is just looking around like, oh, he got his tight ends. Well, make chicken salad out of chicken, you know what, and get through this scrimmage. And didn't they win the scrimmage? The offense, offense? won the scrimmage. Yeah, Sound, that makes me go. feel bad about the defense. Then <laughs> defense lost the scrimmage. Yeah, we know that, we, a bunch of tight ends. <laughs> what the hell's going on? Oh, they had some linebackers out. And, you know. <laughs> no, but no, seriously, I love it. I think it's great. That just shows me variation that you can do it in they'll have that as a package that they can use i don't know how good the time but if they're using malcolm epps as a flex which i honestly i thought they should have done before he got hurt troy Miri could have done that too as yeah. that flex that dan buckner wrote they didn't know nine that's sexy too i like that if they're doing that it's good we need to start like a Dan Buckner appreciation story. We talk about we bring up Dan Buckner a lot. Buckner gets dropped a lot on this podcast. Yes. a lot of what's Dan Buckner doing now? Oh, uh, a cup know. of coffee, I think, with the Bucks. Yeah, uh, I remember he had a, a good season with Arizona, right? It was yeah, that he did. time whenever right. he did. him you know and what? Caleb Jones. The crazy thing and, about it, 
he would he would be great in today's NFL where oh, yeah. the, the Rams are looking for big wide receivers to basically be their tight ends. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the, the, the Cardinals do that too. Put some weight, be Gerald Everett. Dude, exactly right. <laughs> maybe maybe Bobby Kennedy was just ahead of his time. Maybe, maybe, maybe football <laughs> world just No, a lot of those guys like that, man. Lance, I think about skills. Lance Gunn all the time. I'm like, damn, Lance Gunn in today's NFL, they love him. Because he was huge. He'd basically be their version of Isaiah Sims. He was huge. He was long, rangy. Put yep. some more weight on. He'd been great. Eric Metcalf. Eric Metcalf was cold anyway. But, dude, Eric Metcalf today, he's Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. uh, wrong uh, time. But real quick before we end, Rod. So, I- I'm thinking the tight ends, they're not going to be a feature part of this offense. But I'm thinking in, in the right situation, and there's a quote floating around attributed to me that's not exactly what I said. But <laughs> I-, I think if you're – if you look at a guy like Cade Brewer and knowing what he does well, and you look at the skill set of a guy like Malcolm Epps, if it comes together for Malcolm Epps and you use Cade Brewer correctly, the way he should be used, don't try to make him Andrew Beck 2.0, mm-hmm. then those guys can be assets for you oh, yeah. on offense. Totally. I'm not saying they can be featured playmakers or you're scheming things up for them. They can be assets. They can be viable commodities. Totally agree for you. I agree with that too. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about the offensive line, defense next week, and then, boys, we're, we're at game week. Oh, man. It's it's college football this weekend, I think, isn't it? Austin P in Central Arkansas. (laughs) Woo! Austin P plays football. I'm going to set my DVR. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049, 1019 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B each and every weekday on the Triple Option. For Shameless plug. You can also get myself Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thank you for our archives, our classic interviews and shows all on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to search Horns 24-7 Podcast, any platform you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, just search Horns 24-7 Podcast to get State of Recruiting, the flagship, and Longhorn Blitz each and every week. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.